Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do With My Life podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Sokol, and today I am stoked to be kicking it with my homie, Pilar Gerasimo. So Pilar is an incredible mentor of mine who I've somehow been fortunate enough to have come across in the last five or six years, and she's really been an an advocate and a kind of hidden angel in my career and in my own development. Anytime I get to hang with Pilar, I learn so much, and her energy is so amazing, and I'm stoked to have her on the podcast today. So if you don't know about Pilar, here's a little bit from her official bio. Pilar is a pioneering content innovator and healthy living advocate. Her personal and professional passion include helping people live healthier, happier, more sustainable lives. Now, she's best known for her work as the founding editor of Experience Life magazine, which reaches over 3 million people in physical print every month. And Pilar is also the creative force behind RevolutionaryAct.com and the author of A Manifesto for Thriving in a Mixed Up World. In 2013, Pilar accepted the top post at the Huffington Post's... Can you hear that background noise? I don't know if the microphone is picking that up or not. I think it is a little bit. I'm going to leave that in here. Uh, But if you did or didn't hear that, I'm I'm recording live from my apartment in New York and we had some gangsters strolling down the block, pumping some beats out of the whip. So we'll leave that in there and continue on with the introduction. Uh, As I was saying, Pilar accepted one of the top positions, actually the top post at the Huffington Post's Healthy Living Division. And uh, then she ultimately gave up that job uh, in order to, shortly after, in order to consult and write a book on the art of being healthy in an unhealthy world. So Pilar is super dope. She does a great job of taking well-researched, academically proven, and scientifically validated information about the latest and greatest in creating our most healthy lives and and really unpacking that in a super easy to understand type of way. So today's interview, oh yes, today's interview is about how to find clarity through experimenting. And we talk about how to find clarity through the hidden wisdom of your body. We also talk about how to use the science of following your gut. We talk about how to overcome how to overcome the biggest challenges of this generation that are unique to today's day and age, highlighting them and then coming up with ways to navigate through them, and also how to handle the days when you wake up and you just feel like crap. Um, as a bonus, we talk about a healthy approach to drinking coffee, and being that I've just started drinking coffee quite regularly this year, I was really curious to see, is coffee healthy? How do you use it in a way that actually works? And uh, and all that good stuff. Now, two notes before we jump in. One is that I've interviewed Pilar earlier on in the podcast under the WTF 21 episode. So if you want to learn more about Pilar's story and dive into our chat from a few years ago, you can do that. Now, the second thing is that we had a little bit of technical difficulties while recording. Ultimately, the interview came out great, um, but there is right near the end, there's about a 90 second portion of the interview where I sound like Will Ferrell in the movie Old School when he gets shot with the horse tranquilizer. 
So be on the lookout right towards the end. I'm going to sound super deep, my voice that is, and uh, super slow-mo, like I've taken some ketamine to the throat. Uh, But not to worry, it's only for a short segment, and I hope you get a laugh out of that. So with no further ado, let us jump in. Thanks for rocking with us. Here we go. Pilar, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I always love talking to you. Yeah, my pleasure. It's always a treat to connect uh, for people, anyone who's listening who isn't familiar with your you or your work yet. Uh, you are one of my favorite people on the planet, and it's just such a gift and, and blessing to have had you in my life over these last few years. And um, I love the work that you do. I love who you are. And as you said, for, for me, it's, it's a huge treat to get to spend some time together. So... With Thank that, you. What an honor. <laughs> yeah, with that mouthful said, um, I, I thought it would be cool to, to start our conversation today just recognizing the, the new uh, piece of work that you're putting into the world, which is your podcast, The Living Experiment. And I was wondering if you could unpack for us, you know, why did you decide to name the podcast that? And just tell us a little bit more about what you're up to with it. Oh, sure. Well, The Living Experiment is a really fun collaboration I'm doing with my friend Dallas Hartwig. And some people will maybe know Dallas through his work with The Whole30. He's one of the co-founders of that program, The Whole30, which is a whole foods uh, elimination diet program, basically. It's a health transformation program, truly a life transformation program. Mm. And he's the author of a couple of great New York Times bestselling books, including The Whole30, and it starts with food. But Dallas and I share a common perspective um, which is a belief that while health transformation is hugely influenced by things like food choices, it's also influenced by so much more. And really, right, it comes down to how we live every day and our mindset and our relationships, our, how we manage our stress and our energy and our time. And so Dallas and I got to talking about um, how much of this perspective we shared. And he really loved the work I'd done with Experience Life and with RevolutionaryAct.com and the mobile app 101 Revolutionary Ways to Be Healthy. And we thought, well, we should do something together. And he had this idea about a podcast, which I loved because I used to do radio and I always loved talking as much as I love writing. Uh, And it's so much more, you know, immediate. And it's just speak what you're feeling and thinking in the moment. And when we started really talking about what we wanted to speak out into the world more about, it was this perspective that when you decide to be healthy in the world that we live in now, which is an inherently unhealthy world, you know, where so many people are sick and overweight and depressed and struggling, you are constantly having to experiment on yourself, with yourself, in your environment, trying to figure out how do you do this thing? Because there isn't really a clear map or program for how to do it. Most people are not doing it very well. So if you decide, hey, look, even though 50, 60, 70, 80, 90%, even 97%, according to some research, of U.S. adults are really struggling to make healthy choices on a regular daily basis. I would argue it's actually single-digit percentage and I'll tell you why in a minute. If that many people are struggling, I am having to figure it out myself. And really, you become a living experiment. You are a person on who the world is experimenting and you're experimenting on yourself. So it's this daily exploration and ritual of discovery of how can I do it today? How could I make this work better? How could I make it more rewarding and easier and more fun? Because one of my passions is that I would like 
it to be a healthier, happier place for a whole lot of us to live. I don't want to be a one percenter in the world mm. of healthy living. I want to be surrounded by healthy, happy people. And for that to happen, we really need each other. Um, we need each other's support, and we have to create systems and default choices that are healthy and happy ones. So it's not so hard for folks to pull off. Mm, I love and that's the idea behind that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And so you mentioned, you know, in order to be healthy, that we really do need to treat things like an experiment. And I, I actually see the work that I do as being very, very similar with helping people consciously create the life that they want, which is there is no clear game plan or blueprint to follow. And in fact, we, as with health, we all have our own individual uh, ways that our body works. Some people are intolerant to this. Some people work well with that. And when creating our life, it works the same way. Some people have these strengths. Some people have these values. And I, I think there's so much value in the idea of experimenting because what it inherently does is it it takes this it takes this uh, notion of your self worth off the line. And when <laughs> going out there to try to create what you want in life, inherently, it's, it's not going to always going to go the way that you would have hoped for. And I think the thing that's, that I see in my work that stops people from wanting to lean into that, I'm going to take ownership and really create what I'm inspired to create in my life uh, mode is that they're afraid that if it doesn't go the way that they want, that means that they failed and that means that they are a failure. And so experimenting enables us to kind of take that off the table and just have fun and go for it. I agree completely. And I think the other thing I love about the idea of experimenting is that it creates a kind of conscious awareness on the part of an experimenter. There's the assumption that you're watching what's going on, right? When we experiment in a lab, we don't just throw things into a test tube and wander off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we put things in the Petri dish or we light something on fire and then we see what happens. That's the whole idea. See what happens. So there's an attitude of discovery and um, of novelty about it that I think keeps a level of conscious awareness and presence in the experience that really is important, not only to creating a more successful scenario, because as I said, like it's when you go unconscious in our culture that you're likely to end up with the default choices, all of which are unhealthy. Maintaining conscious awareness really gives you a huge head start in terms of like what's going on with me in this moment that I'm making this decision or what are my other options or what could I, when this worked last time, what was I doing? <clears throat> Excuse me. These are, um, these are attitudes of inquiry. And inquiry is really where change and possibility begin. I think mm. so much of the health and fitness movement, as well as a lot of the life coaching um, methodologies, I've observed the, the limited ones really are about giving you advice and telling you what you should go do. Should do this, you should do that. This is your problem. This is how to fix it. I'm much more interested, as you just expressed, in helping people explore the possibilities of their lives and discover for themselves what works for them in any given time and space. So yeah, experimenting is a fun, non-judgmental way of looking at how you might make your life more the way you desire mm. today. Mm. And it might not be the same thing that you have a strong desire for tomorrow. But over time, you can sure look at the trends and say, hmm, how is this experiment going? You know, since I started making these changes, do I feel better or do I feel worse? Do I like the person I'm becoming? 
<laughs> or do I not? You know, it's interesting. Dallas and I just today released an episode of The Living Experiment um, called Fitspo. And every time we do a new episode, it's kind of a one-word title. We did addiction. We've done mourning. Um, but Fitspo was about an exploration and an inquiry we had about whether or not a lot of the streams of imagery that we see that are tagged Fitspo, F I-T-S-P-O, short for fitness, fitness Inspiration, actually are all that inspiring. And it, it, it turns out that there's some research that suggests that for a lot of people, they actually have a kind of negative impact on their self-perception and their self-esteem and their level of motivation to do real-life changes. And it was so interesting, you know, when we looked at it, we were talking about exactly this thing that so many times we don't actually stop to inquire or to observe whether the things that are supposedly helping us are actually helping us or not. We don't really pause to explore, hmm, since I started looking at these pictures and reading these supposedly inspirational quotes, mm. am I feeling better or worse about myself? And I have discovered the hard way over many, many years, decades now, that I really had to pause and stop and look at many of the things that I had been programmed to do and I had been prescribed to do to supposedly get healthier that in fact were demotivating to me and really causing me a lot more trouble than they were help or support. Could you give so an, that's an, an attitude. Example? I think absolutely. Yeah. That's sure. So, so, well, the so easiest curious. one. Yeah. yeah. A couple of the easy ones are, um, or classic ones are diets and workout programs. I would often embark on these diets that sounded great on paper, but I discovered that because AI either was not physically or psychologically prepared for the changes involved or because they were plainly badly designed and based on outdated, horrible science, not scientific advice, calorie counting um, and, you know, uh, reduction of fats, uh, wholesale um, avoidance of uh, anything that seemed, you know, rich or satisfying. A lot of the diets I tried just made me feel physically worse. They, they dropped my energy out or because they were full of gluten. In my case, I'm a gluten intolerant person. They made me quite sick. Mm. I was following the program. E even if I was following the program, I was not feeling very well. I didn't have energy. I felt sick. Um, and even if I was following the program, I felt constrained in my choices and that I had to be on this very high level of vigilance all the time. When I would go off that program, I would feel terrible about myself and tell myself I was an undisciplined, low willpower person who just couldn't make anything work. And I would get down on myself for that. Same basic thing would happen for me with a lot of the workout programs. I didn't really have a good assessment of my own current state of health or fitness. So I'd dive into a program that, you know, someone else that worked for them. And I find myself completely overstressed. And I would find myself unable to recover between workouts. And so I was just in pain and exhausted a lot of the time. Or I was creating inflammation in my body, mm -hmm. feeling run down, lowering my immunity, and then getting sick. So a lot of it for me was like they were just not designed for where I was at and they were not designed for the level of capacity I had available or they weren't designed for my physiology, biochemistry, genetic background and all of that. So it took experimenting and exploration and a much more conscious and much more self-forgiving place, more self-compassionate place for me to give myself permission to just try changing some things to see what would work for me. Some of those interventions though is really interesting. 
doing a program like the Whole30 or like Mark Hyman's detox programs, which are whole food-based programs that are really designed to improve your nutrition while eliminating a lot of the things that are likely to cause um, irritation and inflammation in the body, I would feel better on almost immediately. And they weren't difficult for me to follow, even though they involved some preparatory work and some discipline in terms of breaking out of my normal daily patterns. I found myself rewarded very quickly. And I could say, hmm, do I feel better or do I feel worse? Am I feeling like this is hope creating or this is just frustration creating? Mm-hmm. I had good positive answers and I could go more in the direction of you know, the dream that I had of being a healthy, happy person. Just a couple of examples, and there are many more, but the media for me was another great example of looking at health and fitness magazines that were supposed to be inspiring to me. That was really my first experience with Fitspo, (laughs) looking at the pictures of the women on the covers of health and fitness magazines or looking at the pictures of celebrities, you know, in their swimsuits or in advertisements and just feeling terrible about myself because it didn't match the image of what I thought I should look like. And I think that this is a rampant problem a great example of something we're programmed to pursue and prescribed as like, when you get to this, then you'll be happy. And you know, as well as I do, it's a, it's a really not very productive way to go about pursuing your dreams for most people. Um, even the people that, you know, that are featured in these pictures, 95% of them don't look that good without retouching and makeup and hair and photo lights and all of the things that create the magic and the images that we see and then aspire to every day. Mm. So does that answer the question of some examples? It Totally. And so my follow-up question is, do you have some type of, let's say, protocol or procedure that people who are listening can use or start to play with as far as checking in with the current practices that they have and to see if they're worth tweaking, dropping, or going further into? Yeah. I mean, I have a couple. I think the program thing is tricky because what I'm discovering right now in talking to people is that most people are so overwhelmed that starting on anything that's like programmatic overwhelms them even more. Um, I do have a program I love that's my own refine your life program that really begins with evaluating what matters to you. It starts with values and creating a vision and then working from there through goals and action plans and self-reflections about how that is going for you. You know, working, not working, obstacle, progress. The truth is, in terms of easier and faster ways to start, I think the most important thing I recommend to people is becoming a more conscious master of their own mindset and energy. I have observed, and I'd be interested in your perspective on this, Jacob, that the vast majority of people I speak to are at a place of such reaction in their own lives and of helplessness and of feeling overwhelmed and terrified and under-resourced. And I think it's just, I remember being in that place myself and how over- rot I felt about wanting to change my life and not being able to. For me, the real magic happened in two ways. One was envisioning a more rewarding way of living that I really wanted for myself. And that was my visioning work of like, how do I want my life to be? And then just coming down to the most elemental little things that I could do to honor that in myself. I gave, um, An example recently of my morning practice, which is a three-minute morning practice. I often suggest that to people who are feeling kind of at the edge of their limit. If you reclaim the first three minutes of the day for yourself, 
not looking at your cell phone, not diving into email, not diving into media and television and radio and other people's agendas for you. And you simply give yourself the experience of having three peaceful minutes to Look out the window, enjoy your tea. If you want to meditate, meditate. If you want to read a little inspirational passage, do that. Journaling, yoga, whatever makes you feel good. It's not about the program. It's about giving yourself space to begin to imagine that you can be the source of your own design, that something in you already knows what it wants and needs. And most of us need to slow down and give ourselves permission to experience just a little bit of that. And then our appetite for it grows, not just our appetite for it, our capacity to experience it and enjoy it and program more of it into our lives. Mm. You know, for people who are ready and like, hey, I've got some time, I'm going to do a program, give me the 60 page workbook, man, I'm happy to just give that to anybody who wants to like ask for it. All I will give you the downloadable file, knock yourself out. Uh, And literally, I will give you an access point for that for your listeners if they're interested in it. I have lots of other little tools like ideal day visualizations. And I have a lovely thing that um, you and I met through Brian Johnson's project Entheos, which is now shifted to Brian Johnson's own brianjohnson.me stuff. I did a really fun hour long overview of how to refine your life that a lot of people have really enjoyed. The truth, though, as I mentioned, is that for people who don't feel like they can even spare an hour, I would say spare three minutes and give yourself the gift of that every single morning for a week and see if it does not change your life in some way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It absolutely changed mine. Yeah. A coach of mine has the, the phrase, slow down to speed up. It's like most of us are so eager to get where we want to go that we never actually yes. connect with where we are and the opportunities that can present themselves when we are here. One other distinction that I, I picked up from a coach of mine was he says, you can't coach somebody until they're actually in the room. And he meant that metaphorically. But it was, if they're not there, you can't get to the depths of coaching that will actually be life-changing. And when I when I got that, it made so much sense. It's like we're so eager to get somewhere else that we're never actually, or oftentimes we escape our current experience, but our current experience is where we have access to what it is that we ultimately are seeking outside of us, that deeper yes. presence, that deeper uh, sense of trust, that deeper sense of being connected to our own wisdom. And so, yeah, so I love, I love your, and I also love the three minute practice. I I was coaching someone the other day and we were talking about meditation and I said, why don't you just create, or how would it feel to you to just create a two minute meditation practice in the morning and just, and just stay with that instead of feeling like you need to do 20 or 30 minutes, otherwise it's not (laughs) worth doing. And it was a huge, a huge relief for her. It's like, oh yes, that makes sense. Um, one, one question. Oh yeah. Was there something specific you wanted to share there? If not, I have another question for you. Well, all I was going to say is, you know, I often remind people that how you do anything is how you do everything. It's a Zen saying, but I think it's so timely for this time we live in now where including how you go about not doing something like meditating. And if it's because you've given yourself a huge 20 or 30 minute commitment and it's not working for you, you can reduce it down and see how does it look like when you commit to doing two or three minutes. If you still are not quote unquote not having time or not being able to do it or 
things are getting in the way, it's really interesting to look at what those things are and how you're going about not giving yourself the gift of this time. Because mm-hmm. however you're not doing this two or three minutes, it's probably how you're not doing a dozen other things that you know would be good for you, that you'd like to do, that you've committed to doing for yourself. And that can be really instructive to see how you're going about not, (laughs) you know? So that's all I was going to say, but I love that. Any two or three minute practice, like I said, I always tell people, it doesn't matter what you do. It's just, you're going to learn so much about your own tendencies to sabotage the things that you're trying to give to yourself out of goodness by looking at how that goes. Great experiment. Yeah, so good. And you started to speak to um, Fitzbo earlier, and that ties in with the question I was inspired to ask you, which is, what health challenges do you think are most unique and relevant to this generation, to where we currently are? Um, so Fitzbo might be one of them. Uh, what else might come up in that list that we want to be conscious of? Yeah, I think it's related, um, which is kind of a, a chronic overdriving of our energetic um, systems, our nervous systems. And that shows up for people. I have a very dear friend, uh, very smart, very accomplished. I cannot believe my phone is ringing. Will you excuse me one minute while I undo that? Jacob, and we'll come back. No worries. My cat's meowing too, so all good. Okay, hold on. (laughs) Hi. Okay, I'm back. I found the phone I had missed. I got two, but not the third. <laughs> no, no worries. I was having um, my own little freak out moment over here. So I have a couch in my office and I work from home. So my cat is here. And occasionally when he wants to leave the room, but the door is shut, he'll start scratching the couch. And it's like, it, to me, it's actually like like uh, nails on a chalkboard. That's like, that's the sound uh, that I hear when he starts scratching. But when I'm doing an interview, it's almost as if I'm like, uh, I'm confined or chained to my desk and I'm, I have this internal moment of like, dude, chill out. But I, I, can't, ah! I don't have the freedom to go over there. So anyway. That's hilarious. I'll just pick up where I was and we'll let you edit it together as you as you like. Okay. Um, I have a dear friend who is really smart, really accomplished, very ambitious, um, a, a really a healthy person inherently in terms of how she exercises and eats. And she is in a terrible health situation right now that looks everything to me like an autoimmune disorder triggered by stress, by in not sleeping enough, by working more than she really had available in her stores and her energetic stores, trying so hard to get stuff accomplished. And, you know, no matter how much green juice you drink and no matter how many you know bar classes you go to when you tap into the very bottom part of your energetic resource and there's nothing more to pull it from, your body goes into a high alert mode. And many really wonderful functional medicine doctors have written and or are writing books about this exact syndrome. Dr. Aviva Ram has a book um, about what she calls SOS, survival overdrive syndrome. Dr. Amy Myers, another functional medicine doctor, is writing about this. Many um, folks, it comes around in books about you know adrenal fatigue or uh, thyroid disorders or autoimmune disorders. But they're all really triggered by the same set of tendencies within us. And and within a millennial generation, many times people are pursuing careers with this incredible energy. And it looks great at first because they're making progress, but they start skimping on their 
time for resuscitation and replenishment and repair. And this is um, really a dangerous habit to get into because when you're very young and you're just starting out, you can kind of game the system for a while. And you do have these amazing stores, organ stores and energetic stores to pull from, but they catch up with you. And I've seen too many 20-somethings and early 30-somethings put themselves into very dangerous medically emergent, I mean, emergency medical situations because they cannot believe that they could have done this to themselves. And I think that I'm maybe hyper aware of it because I did it to myself in my early 30s. Um, you know, I'm not sure if I've told you the story of how I started developing rashes on my face and my skin uh, and I started having back pain and then I had night sweats and I had carpal tunnel and it was like one symptom and diagnosis after the other. And I started taking separate kinds of herbal remedies and putting creams on and finally it was just ridiculous. I was like, this has got to stop. But I ha was not really stopping or slowing down or believing that this was the result of my overdriving my own system until mm. finally I was rushing, trying to get something done. It wasn't going fast enough. I got frustrated and I stomped my foot on a wooden floor so hard in my frustration that I broke my own foot. Oh my and God. I, Jacob, I cannot tell you. I mean, A, it's an excruciating physical experience to break a bone. That's a hell of but a But you stomp. realize I had broken it myself literally and figuratively in so many ways. And the broken bone was really just the final undeniable symbol of it. Wow. But it forced me to backing to slowing down, right? To speed up. It forced me to slow down physically enough that I also then had time to contemplate what it was I had done to myself and that I'd been doing to myself. So, there are a thousand names for the disorders that come out of this mindset and this set of behaviors. And it might be candida. It might be psoriasis. It might be cluster headache. It might be migraine. It might be IBS. It might be, you know, fill in the blank, high blood pressure, cholesterol, dyslipidemia, adrenal thyroid disorder, chronic fatigue, whatever. I really want to encourage people to let go of what Dr. Jeffrey Bland calls the tyranny of the diagnosis and begin to understand that all of these states of dis-ease in the body really proceed from underlying imbalances and insufficiencies in the system that often, not always, but very often have to do with the way that we're living. And our bodies are trying to tell us in, in, in kind of an escalating volume way, hey, this isn't working for me. And the gift in it is that nine times out of 10, the thing we're driving so hard to do just this exact way within this exact time frame, it's actually not the best way to get to where you're trying to go or to have the experience you're trying to have. And you're, for me at least, I was in direct blockade of my best creativity because I was working to produce so much, so fast, so hard. And it wasn't until I slowed down that I... I started having better ideas and more clarity about what I was really gifted at. And then it, it changed a lot of the way I was working and what I was doing. Um, and I think that's one of the things I really admire about your work. I want to just take a minute to give you some kudos. You and I met when you were first developing. Can I swear on this podcast, by the way? Can I use the F word? <laughs> the more, the better. <laughs> Okay. Well, you were just developing your what the fuck should I do with my life program. And I, I, the minute I met you and heard about your work and looked into it, I thought, this is so important because 
we have this generation, you know, a couple of generations coming up now that are going to be struggling with what the fuck they should be doing with their lives. And the options that they have are so much more interesting in some ways than the options that at least seemed available in my generation, you know, both with the advent of the internet and being able to do things from anywhere, but also the changing promise. Um, it looks kind of scary on the surface of like, man, it's impossible to make as much money maybe as your parents made doing the same kind of job, or you won't have the same sort of security. You can't buy the same house in the same neighborhood, or maybe you don't even want that anymore. What should you want? But I think that this is a really naturally um, designed state of doubt and of, of exploration that I'm hoping that this younger generation is beginning to embrace. And following the program of more is harder, is better, is going to be re more rewarding, we're past that now. That's not going to work anymore. And what we really need are more lit up, creative, happy people who are tapping into the unique gifts that are theirs. And you don't tap into your unique gifts by just driving harder than the next guy or, or cramming to get to 100,000 Facebook followers or whatever it is you think you're chasing. I think that we are awash in way too many ridiculous content streams that are clearly being driven by people who are overdriving themselves. And it's not spreading goodness. It's not spreading solutions. It's actually becoming part of the problem. So I would challenge people to look at, you know, what is your body telling you about how you're working now and how sustainable that is for you? And what gift might be in the slowing down that your body might be asking you to do or the increased nutrition that it's asking for. Because we really know now our brains are a direct reflection of our state of our body. We don't think clearly when our body is inflamed and vice versa. So I just want to recommend to people that more than any, uh, you know, one problem like overweight or high stress or, you know, candida infections, <laughs> there's an underlying mindset and way of living that I think is making a whole lot of people sick and we need to, we need to help ourselves and each other recover from it. Yeah. There, there's so many places I could go from here, but I do remember having a conversation with you many years ago and hearing your beautiful perspective on the fact that look around, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of uh, really challenging things happening in the world. A lot of problems we could even say, but the flip side to that is that creates a beautiful opportunity for people in this generation who are looking at how they want to make a living to recognize there's meaningful problems that really need to be solved. And when we put our attention and our focus on solving these problems, not only is it fulfilling, but it's also financially lucrative because that's a value for where we are. And I remember getting that and said, oh, that's really, really cool. And then this other piece as far as um, the wisdom of the body, I find that the more I coach the more that I help people connect to what's happening below their sh their neck and their shoulders, what it, what it, where's their heart? What, it, what wisdom does their heart have? What does their gut say? And, uh, and, and their overall health, what is their overall health showing them? So going, going down that path a little bit, you know, as I help people oftentimes connect to the deeper gut wisdom that they have, I know that there is a large body of work and really a lot of um, awareness around the fact that uh, it is the gut is such an important place to optimize and to to really um, 
take good care of. Uh, what for someone who's new to this concept of the fact that our gut is a source of um, deeper wisdom or kind of more access to their creative potential? How might someone go about looking into if it's time to pay more attention to what's going on in their gut and how to optimize that? Well, it's interesting. It's so funny because I'm, I'm <laughs> I was listening to you gearing up this question. I'm like, I'm not sure if he's going to ask me about the microbiome <laughs> and leaky gut <laughs> or if he's going to ask me about this sort of symbolic, you know, what we think of as like, you know, your gut instinct. What's interesting is that to me, I'm increasingly convinced that they're kind of the same thing. Um, and I'm going to tell you what I mean by that in a kind of a scientific thing. And then I'll come back and answer what I think is your real question, which is about the more the latter, you know, following your instinct and your gut as it as it's telling you about something. Totally. And that, the first and that thing is, I want to that is my question, by yeah. the way, is how do we address both? of Yeah, because I do feel that they're connected. They are. So at the scientific level, you know, for those people who are not following the science of the microbiome right now, it's very interesting. And effectively, the short version of it is that what we used to think of as kind of a long tube that just curled around inside of our abdomens and then dumped, you know, poop out the other end, you know, we'd eat stuff and it would go through and drop out one other side. It turns out nothing could be further from the truth and that the entire length of that intestinal lining is a really biologically active and filled with gobs of organisms that do a lot of really good and important things for us from helping to digest our food and assimilate nutrients to creating compounds that we need to stay healthy. It's also where an enormous amount of our immune system lives and they're discovering where a lot of our nervous system activity takes place and they now call the gut the second brain because so much neurological activity occurs there. And so many of the chemical messengers responsible for creating our mood, our, um, our, a lot, really our mental function to some extent, come out of this interplay between the brain in our head and the brain in our guts. And the microbiome, those funguses and yeasts and bacteria that live in there, they create some of our, our consciousness by virtue of their balance and their presence. And for example, if you have a lot of toxic stuff growing in your gut, it throws off strange toxic compounds that can create brain fog, mood disorders, trouble concentrating and focusing, and also kind of weird neurological disorders, things um, that, you know, tremors and things. So there's a very direct uh, physiological, biochemical, neurological connection between the brain in our heads and the brain in our guts. And I do believe that when it comes down to listening to our instincts, our level, the quality of attention and accuracy we have in interpreting our own instincts do have something to do with the health of our body and our microbiome and our guts at a physical, biological, physiological level. So there's a lot more I could say about that. And I can send you some fascinating articles on the microbiome from Experience Life magazine, uh, if you're interested, Jacob, and you can link to them. But at the, at the big level of how do we tap into that instinct more? I think, first of all, what you said before, and we were talking about before in terms of slowing down enough to notice your own experience and to, to just take stock of it, at the most basic level, being able to describe to yourself what you would what you would describe to someone else if you were going to be completely honest about what's going on in your body, you know, noticing tension in your neck, noticing your shoulders coming up, noticing your 
chin jutting forward, you know, in what you're doing, noticing the kind of tension that exists in your abdomen or your glutes, or the fact that your feet are now tapping and your fingers are fidgeting and you're picking at your cuticles or pulling your hair out. <laughs> These are little indicators of, you know, a high level of tension and escalating of tension in the body. And the body does tell the story of our instincts in a thousand ways. You know, I love a lot of what Malcolm Gladwell talked about is thin slicing. When we have something that we think is just a, a instant moment of insight or an instinct, but it's actually based on the accumulated knowledge that's coming through our sensory perception, sometimes over a lot longer period of time. We just aren't aware of how quickly all of those systems operate to process the information and give us an answer that then sounds like butterflies in the stomach or sounds like goosebumps coming up on the back of our neck. For me, in my overdrive mode in my early 30s, when I was working, I think, too hard and too fast, I couldn't hear anything my body had to say, including... I'm exhausted. I'm hungry. I need to go to the bathroom. And I, I talked to a recent interview I did about how often people will not acknowledge their body's own desire and need to go to the bathroom, to pee or to poop. They'll sit there for hours at a time in escalating levels of discomfort and then agony <laughs> and risking their own health rather than getting up and allowing their body to do what it's designed to do naturally and to help us to clear stuff. And the clearing of that stuff is essential to our functioning well. So at the most basic level, I would say don't overthink it. Your body is telling you a million times a day how it likes or doesn't like what's going on, what's giving you a bubbling up feeling versus a cloud of doom feeling. The other thing I would say is, you know, for me, I had a great teacher, Kat Thompson, who explained to me that the feeling between um, exhilaration and terror is like one notch different on a dial. You know, exhilaration is super energizing and kind of like, wow, you know, that feeling of you're about to go down in a, in a roller coaster. <laughs> and terror is just one click over the line. But the one click is enough to set an incredible inflammatory cascade into action in your body. And your body will show that. In, a, in, you know, your skin breaking out or your gut getting disrupted and suddenly, you know, diarrhea is a really great way for the body to tell you that it's like, oh, my God, this is way too much <laughs> or just a little too much even. So I really like letting the body be the indicator of instinct in the gut, you know, at a kind of like, what is my gut instinct about this? There's the um, kind of classic biofeedback technique of do you feel like this is an excitement that's a lifting up, bubbling up excitement and like, ooh, movement, yes. Or does your body go, oh my God, this sounds really overwhelming and I don't want to do this and it's not feeling good to me at all. That is it. That's kind of as simple as it goes. Um, and for me, it's just after a long time of ignoring that latter feeling, I start noticing it in my body. My skin or my eyelashes falling out or whatever it is that I don't really want to <laughs> don't want to listen to any more than I did the original in the message, but it's all the same message. Yeah, heart attack. It's like, yeah, you get the message, right? There's something your body is saying. So, uh, yeah, I love it. This is great. Um, you know, this is a bit of a tangent that I'm just inspired to ask you about while I have you here. Coffee. Do you drink coffee? And, and is there a healthy approach that integrates into honoring our body while still drinking coffee? 
Uh, yes, I think there is. Now, I will say I love coffee. I do drink coffee most every day. Um, I take breaks from it occasionally because I think that's healthy for me both mentally and physically to just give my body a break and notice my level of dependency on it. Mm-hmm. I used to drink a lot more and I drank it all day long. Um, and I really found that that was not working well for me. And I think that does indicate a dependency that's probably not good for anybody. The The evidence on coffee, you know, you can read one study and it'll tell you it's fine and great for you and another study that tells you it's dangerous and bad. I really think the it's the answers in the dose and the dose that's appropriate is really dependent on the individual, not just in terms of her genetic uh, or biochemical profile, but in terms of her or his life state. And what works for you in college may not be what's going to work for you on your first job um, or when you have your first baby or whatever. I think that um, for most people, what I suggest is if you're going to do coffee, do it in a way that is supportive of your intention to manage your energy. And for most people, coffee in the morning is a is a is not just a lovely ritual, but it's something that kind of supports their natural rise in energy and adrenaline mm-hmm. that they then go and burn while they're at work. When you start drinking coffee in the afternoon as a way to keep your energy up, you're fighting a natural system. You're probably ignoring your body's ultradian rhythms, which are these really important fluctuations of energy. They go up and down every 190 or every 90 to 120 minutes. You're supposed to experience a drop in energy and you're supposed to take a break and that's when your body resuscitates itself and replenishes energy. But if you're going for coffee as a way of getting through those low energy moments and you're ignoring your body's need for a break, you are going to pay for that big time. There's no amount of caffeine that can really stand in for the actual replenishment of all of that adenosine triphosphate, which is your body's natural energetic fuel. It's what it uses for energy. So I really wrote, I guess my recommendation for most people with coffee is if you're drinking it all day long or you're dependent on it in the afternoon um, to get through your work day and or you're experiencing the kind of fluttery, over-caffeinated feeling that comes from having just drunk too much, mm-hmm. it really is a good idea to explore um, cutting back and regarding your body's need for a break as a really healthy signal for exactly that. It wants you to take a break. For people who want to know more about this, um, Dallas and I just did a great episode called Pause, P-A-U-S-E, on the living experiment about how ultradian rhythms work and why coffee breaks are not enough. (laughs) That will explain the biochemistry of this more. But this is stuff that's been really well researched by the U.S. Department of Defense. It's not like namby-pamby stuff. You're not a weakling because you need to take a break and powering through them with coffee is not a great idea. I'm a big fan of coffee and of caffeine. I like it. And I think in moderate doses, it's not bad for you and could very well be good for you. But dependencies of any kind um, are not great. And by the way, we just did another episode on addiction where we talked about that. So um, that would be my counsel. Moderation in all things, including moderation. And if you love coffee, enjoy it, but stay on its bright side by not overdoing it and making your body miserable because <laughs> too much caffeine is just nightmarish. And doesn't do, feel good. Do you recommend putting some type of ghee or some type of uh, healthy particular butter inside of the coffee to, to eliminate the spike or, or help with the crashing? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. So the kind of bulletproof phenomenon is one I've regarded with some interest. And I really like the idea of adding coconut oil or grass-fed um, butter or ghee to coffee and blending it as an alternative to having uh, dairy, if you have a dairy intolerance. Any kind of fat in coffee is, if it's healthy fat, I'm for it. You know, I'm a big fan of all healthy fats. And if you like fat in your coffee, knock yourself out. If, um, But if you're doing this kind of bulletproof approach as a way of driving more energy out of a system that's overwhelmed to begin with or like avoiding eating and not clouding your brain with all of that. I don't really agree with that. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of saying people shouldn't eat breakfast and instead they should have coffee with, with ghee or coconut oil or butter or MCT oil in it. If it works for you, that's great. And it might work for you a while and then not work so well. So then you have to explore it for yourself. I love that. I enjoy the flavor of it. And I like the texture of it because I'm a person who loves cream in her coffee. And I don't do that well with dairy anymore. Yeah. Um, so I often will revert to that as an option. But it's not for me, it's not a cure-all. I don't think it's the way to trick your body into giving you more energy. And I really think people need to eat actual food at some point. Um, the energy spikes that come are really blood sugar spikes typically from sugar, either refined flours and grains and um, sugars and starches that send your blood sugar up and then send it plummeting again. And that is often when people do reach for coffee with or without you know, fats in it. That is not so much the strategy in my mind that I would suggest for people. Don't use fat as a way of moderating blood sugar spikes, you know, fat in your coffee. Eat real food with fiber and phytonutrients in it and healthy fat, and then you won't have the spike and crash problem to mm. begin with. And you can enjoy coffee as a lovely, you know, addition to a healthy, balanced, wonderful way of eating satisfying food. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what I would suggest. That's great. Cool. Well, thanks for the clarification. And, you know, another yeah. question that I had for you, which is, again, in a slightly different direction, but it was relevant for me on the day that I wrote it, not today, is what do you do and how do you kind of deal with a day where you wake up and, and you just feel off for whatever reason, something yeah. is triggered in you, you're just not on your game or you're in your head or something is bothering you, um, but the world goes on and you still have responsibilities or, or things that you scheduled. How do you navigate that type of experience? What a great question. Gaga, that happens all the time to everybody. Well, I mean, there are a couple of things I have for you on that. The first is, I think, non-judging. You know, the idea that we should wake up feeling like a million bucks every day, that we're just some sort of machine that, you know, you flip the dials and on we go, doesn't work that way. So I think having some self-compassion for off days is a good place to start. The other thing I often will look at is what was leading up to this particular day and feeling this way? How was the day before and the day before that? You know, my sleep, my eating, my drinking, my respecting my own bodily rhythms. I run a quick list that I kind of call my fundamentals. And I say, okay, did I get enough sleep? Yes or no? Did I get some kind of outdoor time? Did I eat reasonably well? Did I drink my water? Did I take my vitamins? You know, did I connect with anyone I loved? Like I know the fundamental things I need to do to be in a good place. Nine times out of 10, if I'm waking up feeling like I just want to pull the blankets back up over my head and cancel everything on my list, it's because I've been out of balance for one or many times more days running and I've been ignoring my body's needs. 
So that usually for me then tells me the recipe for getting out of it, which is, boy, I need to get refocused on my fundamentals and drink my water, eat some healthy food, get outside. And again, when people have trouble doing that, then my question is, okay, how sustainable is the life that you've designed for yourself here? And is it worth the cost that you are paying in not feeling great on a regular daily basis to live this life? And, you know, again, I go back to my friend with the inflammatory disorder. To me, it's clear her life's completely out of whack. And I know she wakes up feeling like that many days of the week, even though she loves what she does. She's just overdriven her system. So if you run through the fundamentalist and you're like, nope, I'm doing all that stuff. I'm doing great. Then I would suggest getting quiet and saying, okay, clearly my body is looking for an introspective opportunity. It has something to say. I would pull out my journal and say, what's going on, body-mind system? What are you feeling? What are you wanting? What could I do to negotiate with you a better outcome for the day? <laughs> you know. And a lot of times that's what it is. Like I'll hear from my body. It's like, okay, I might be ready to get off this mattress in an to sit here and try to listen a little. If you can pull that off, great. If you can't, I negotiate for a time when I can do that without blowing my life up. You know, sometimes your life wants you to blow it up. And that's why it's doing this. It's it's a, it's giving you the clear warning shot across the bow, which is, hey, listen. I'm not really with the program you're running. And just so you know, I can pull the plug on you. And I will show you today how that will feel for the rest of your life if I decide to make it that way. <laughs> and uh, like I said, the, your body is wonderful at telling you what it's going to be on board for and what it's not. So again, just in, you know, to summarize, start by not judging yourself. Find yourself right, even though you feel a little off. Two, go through your fundamentals and see if your body's just trying to tell you it needs a little more TLC. And then three... If it's not something that is a really obvious input or output problem, then listen for a deeper message. Um, there's probably something there. And it may just be a quirk. It may just be a thing where it's an off day and you could wake up feeling like a million bucks tomorrow. But uh, the three-minute practice for me has been an enormously helpful check-in point every day. And when I stay current with myself, I tend to not be waking up with that kind of surprise. You know, I'm, I like have a conversation with my body on a regular basis. Mm. Does that answer that question at all? I'm not sure if it's what you had in mind, but... Totally. Yeah, that's great. And I, I love everything that you shared. And I love where you started with that too, was just to approach the situation without the judgment and with a sense of compassion. I find so often it's what we resist persists. Yes. And when we experience an array of different situations, but particularly an uncomfortable emotion that we want to get rid of as soon as possible, it tends to push back with whatever and get right back in our face. And if we can, as you said, just kind of slow down and really allow ourselves to be with our experience and to recognize that inherently it's not bad, although it might feel bad, that it's it's actually there just as some type of feedback from either your body or the universe, something for you to recognize and actually take as a gift again, despite it not feeling good. Um, but I think where we get in the way is with the equation and like, oh, if I feel bad, that means I am bad. Or <laughs> I should I should be happier because look at everybody else on Instagram. Yes, and, oh and my that's God. Some, that, that, that's the work that I love yeah. so much that you speak to, which is that 
you know, to, to paraphrase uh, Krishnamurti, he says it's no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. And that's what you're constantly doing in your work is pointing out how we live in a society that is aware of that. We're going to think it's us that's profoundly sick. Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite quotes. And yes, I completely agree with that. And I do think this is another way, a kind of pernicious quality of social media that's flashing pictures of extravagantly happy, successful people doing wonderful, great things all day long. I think that one of the things I like to remember is that on the days that I wake up not feeling 100%, it's really nice to remember that everybody wakes up not feeling 100%. And it can give us a little more compassion, not just for ourselves, but for each other. You know, when somebody is snippy with us or struggling or just looks a little cloudy, you know, instead of judging them and being like, ha 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 ha, I am better than you. We can remember that like Mm. everybody feels that way from time to time. And it doesn't help for us to lie and, you know, exclusively post these, you know, genius, wonderful pictures of ourselves with our fabulous friends doing fabulous things all the time. Nobody's buying that. I mean, I guess some people are and it's making them feel really lousy about themselves. But (laughs) I I think that a little bit more kindness and self-compassion and compassion for other people would be lovely. I also think that it's really worth... um, noticing the extent to which you're comparing your life and your days to the illusion of other people's. And, uh, you know, not, not every day is a 10. It's often from the twos and threes that we draw the most profound inspiration um, and that we are able to connect with each other and the deepest parts of ourselves. Uh, you know, the, look, every great poem that's been written, every great song that's been written has come out of some level of introspection uh, or pain or suffering or, you know, searching. And um, what kind of world would it be without all the art and music and love songs and, and the great programs that come out of people realizing dude, I got some issues and I need to work through them. I would like to help others. <laughs> we all got to help each other. It's a strange world and a strange life we live right now. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really important mindset of just one of compassion. Mm, I love it. Well, again, appreciate you and your wisdom and thank you so much for taking the time to kick it with us today. Um, how can people jump into more of your work and, and uh, get involved with your podcast? And just Thank you so much you? Um, for that. Well, th- I would say two things. One, my main website is my name, PilarGerasimo.com, which is very hard to spell, but I know you'll put a link to it. And it's P-I-L-A-R-G-E-R-A-S-I-M-O.com. Um, and you can Google me also. It also works pretty well. Um, but the podcast site is living excited to check out the podcast um, I'm doing with Dallas Hartwig. You can listen to episodes there, but I would implore people to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes um, where it's available and highly rated. And we really appreciate those because they help other people find us and they help us keep ourselves inspired to continue doing it. Uh, for whatever reason, subscribers on iTunes count for a lot. So we're grateful for those. Um, and then I really would also love to invite people to sign up for the email newsletters at both of those sites, um, PilarGerasima.com and LivingExperiment.com, because it gives us a chance to connect with you and tell you the cool things we're doing, including, you know, podcasts and classes and um, events and online programs and things. Um, and I'm just so delighted to have been able to join you. And I appreciate the work that you do so much, Jacob, and I hope we get to do more fun things together. Mm. Well, 
I can't wait. And uh, yeah, so much fun having you in my life and on the podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, We will see you next time. Thanks so much for rocking with us. If you dug today's interview, I'd love if you'd be game to share it with somebody in your real life. You can share it on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, but also with someone who you think might benefit directly from it. And one last thing, we've got some really exciting things happening in the near future. I'm gearing up to implement some new ways and fun opportunities to help you transform your life with what we spoke about today and some other goodness in the near future. And so, in order to make sure that you get the down low on how to rock with us, what I'd love for you to do is head on over to sensify.com and make sure that you're subscribed to the newsletter. So that's S-E-N-S-O phy.com and I will share with you the most ballistic behind the scenes absolute dopeness that will hopefully light up your day and also some great opportunities to engage with our community to get support in making these meaningful changes that we spoke about today. So sensify.com, sign up for the newsletter and feel free to shoot me a personal email after you sign up as you will get the opportunity to reply to my email when you do that. So much love. Looking forward to talking soon. Thanks for rocking with us. Have yourself a dope day. Later.